Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are extending gains on a report of an OPEC output deal. We are seeing crude oil surging now by 3.9% West Texas Intermediate up with $1.73 a barrel. 4639 right now on WTI. Brent is up 3.2%, advancing a dollar 49, 4746 on Brent. Natural gas is down 1.4%. US equities higher now. We do have the S&P up 4 to 2164. That's a gain of 2 tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials up 61, a gain of 3 tenths of 1%. Nasdaq up 2 points. Little change there, up by less than 1 tenth of 1%. Gold down 370 the ounce to 13. 1922, a drop there of three-tenths of one percent. And this programming note for those of you listening across our terrestrial radio stations in New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco, the Federal Communications Commission will be conducting a coordinated nationwide test of the emergency alert system at 2.20 p.m., Eastern Time. Just about 90 seconds from now, that is a test conducted across all radio stations in the country, including Bloomberg. Programming will resume at the conclusion of the test. S&P up five, a gain of three-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you so very much. The Fed Hour on Taking Stock is brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer RIA that's ready to listen. Call 866 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Bloomberg taking stock. The Fed in focus. There's certainly a lot of discussion about whether or not the Fed is going to try to hike rates again this year. We think the Fed by December will be ready to do another hike. That sounds like a big difference from the markets, but it's not that big a difference. I think at this point the Fed is going to remain on the sidelines through 2016 and most likely the better part of 2017. I think they have a huge communication problem with the public about what's driving their policy decisions. They basically have no The Fed in focus on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox, and we're very happy now to welcome to the show one of the participants today at our Bloomberg Markets Most Influential Summit here at our world headquarters. Richard Clarida, Global Strategic Advisor at PIMCO, Professor at Columbia University. Rich, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to do it. Well, it's a really exciting day here at Bloomberg and a kind of exciting day on Capitol Hill, I guess, if you're Janet Yellen testifying before the House Financial Services Committee. She was there to talk about bank regulation, the health of U.S. banks, which she defended. Of course, she took quite a beating, I would say, a certain lot of tough questioning on what's going on with Wells Fargo and how the Fed intends to respond. Yes, she did. And I think that was the focus, although during the, uh, you know, the back and forth with the Members of Congress, uh, she did get into some uh, comments on monetary policy. For the most part, she stuck very closely to the script uh, from the recent Fed meeting. So no real news there. But yes, understandably, you know, this, uh, uh, I'm sure there was a lot of, uh, of uh, concern and criticism. And I think in the headlines that I read, she also expressed uh, concern about these revelations. Rich Clarida, what did you take away from Janet Yellen's uh, comments and also uh, get your view. 25 basis points in December? I think that's likely. It's, it's, it's not a done deal. This is a Fed that's data dependent, but I think Tim, it's important that at the last meeting 14 of the 16 or I guess actually 17, 14 of the 17 participants 
through the blue dots indicated that they thought it would be appropriate to hike in December. So that means that I think the, the Fed thinks that it's going to be hiking, but obviously it will depend to some extent on the data. And I should note that the recent data for the U.S. has been coming in on the soft side. Most folks a week or two ago thought the U.S. GDP in the third quarter would be north of three. And we're, we and others are marking down our view of, of third quarter GDP probably to around two and a half or so. So obviously, you know, the data will be relevant, but the expectation is that they will be hiking in December. Well, Rich Clarence, if you were a voter, what would you do? Because you're absolutely right. The GDP does not look as good as people thought it would. And we, there's some time left before we see what, what happens with it. And Janet Yellen herself, even though she said she expects the unemployment rate to fall farther, she said, yes, growth has been disappointing, productivity is slow, and she doesn't see inflation rising. Why would the Fed chair vote to raise rates now? Well, you know, I, but, but I think, uh, and I have enormous respect for Chair Yellen, but I think she's a little bit selective. So, for example, if you look at CPI inflation, core CPI is above 2%. If you look at average hourly earnings, they're running at about 2.8%. Uh, um, and, and in particular, uh, I think John Williams, of all the Fed officials, is the one that I follow closely. I think uh, Williams, just in the last day or two, has been quoted as saying that he would be supportive of a hike. We had three dissents uh, at the September meeting. Certainly, I, I think, uh, you know, right now policy is very, very accommodative. I think the economy can certainly withstand a number, uh, another 25 basis point move. Uh, and so I just think they should they should get on with it. You know, Rich Clarida, one of the things I do to prepare to speak with you is I look at some of your previous work, and you published a piece back in September of 2015, and I have to say, not that you would reuse it, but you probably could, because <laughs> not much has changed, and even your description about the debate over whether to raise 25 basis points, this is, as Yogi Berra says, deja vu all over again. Well, thank you. You know, I, I, I knew when I was going on your show, I wanted to make sure that I hadn't said something totally silly. And, and, and you're right. It is, it is eerie, the parallels between, you know, a year ago and today. And, and in fact, I think you can actually make a case today that the Fed's um, poor communication is even more hard to, to understand. You know, last summer you had uh, the China devaluation and the repercussions uh, from that. So at least you could maybe say, well, international developments are on unfamiliar, uh, but um, but I'm not quite sure, and I don't know if you noticed this today, but Charles Plosser, who until not so long ago was the president of the Philadelphia Fed, was also quoted as being critical of the uh, communication. I would also note, Tim, that in the minutes of the July meeting, as well as in the minutes of the June and April meetings, the minutes revealed that Fed officials uh, expressed concern that they were not communicating very well and the markets didn't understand them. And with all due respect, I think that it's the Fed's problem, not the markets. I think that there is not a particularly crisp uh, understanding of their reaction function, and it may simply be that the Fed itself is not in agreement. Um, and until I think the chair uh, becomes more uh, proactive in that, we'll, we're going to have this pretty divergent range of views. All right, we're going to have more with Rich Clarida. He is Global Strategic Advisor at PIMCO. We're broadcasting from Bloomberg Market's most influential summit at our world headquarters. This is Bloomberg. Continuing our live broadcast, Bloomberg Market's most influential summit with one of the key participants, Rich Clarida, Global Strategic Advisor at PIMCO. It's not just about the Fed these days. It's about the Bank of Japan and their yield curve. That's coming up, too. 
Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. Coming up on Taking Stock, more with Rich Clarida, Global Strategic Advisor to PIMCO. Want to find out with negative interest rates in Japan and in Europe, will they cause a variety of unintended consequences and leave regulators holding the bag? Very important question. Let's get to Charlie Pellet here at Bloomberg World Headquarters in the newsroom with a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I thank you very much, Kathleen Hayes. Thank you, Pim Fox. We have seen quite a turnaround for U.S. equities in the past couple of minutes here. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all advancing. Stocks rising as energy shares rally along with crude prices after reports that OPEC reached an agreement to limit oil production. This update is brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector, visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, now rallying 5.5%. It is up 2.45 a barrel, 47.13 right now on WTI. Brent up 4.5%, gaining 2.08 a barrel, 48.07 on Brent. S&P 500 index climbing eight. Best level of the day now, 2168, a gain there of four-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials up 87 points, a gain of five-tenths of one percent. And NASDAQ is up four points, a gain of one-tenth of one percent. Fed Chair Janet Yellen was back on Capitol Hill this morning. She reiterated her view that the U.S. Central Bank plans to remove accommodation gradually on current course, whilst saying she sees no fixed timetable for raising rates as the jobless rate should fall further. And here's what she had to say in remarks carried right here on Bloomberg. We're really not seeing meaningful upward pressure on inflation, and we haven't seen the unemployment rate fall. But monetary policy is accommodative. Eventually, continued job creation at that pace would cause the economy to overheat and would push the unemployment rate um, down to lower levels than now. And right now we've got gold down three-tenths of one percent. 232 on Wall Street now. Let's take a look at other news from around the world. Thank you, Charlie. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Ramey Innocencio. Former Republican Senator John Warner is panning Donald Trump as disrespectful of the military and woefully unprepared to be commander-in-chief. Warner appeared with Hillary Clinton's running mate, Tim Kaine, in Alexandria, Virginia, to offer his endorsement to Clinton. That candidate is the one that is fit and ready to lead our great free country and to lead the world in the cause of freedom. The 89-year-old Warner says he's, quote, distressed by Trump's comments that the U.S. military is in bad shape. Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan spoke at the Economic Club of Washington this morning and was asked if he is eyeing a run for the White House down the road. You never say never to these things, but I've never really had this ambition. I have presidential size policy ambition. I've really never had presidential size personal ambition. It's just... It just was never really in my DNA. A Dutch-led investigation has implicated Russia in the shooting down of a Malaysian jetliner over Ukraine two years ago. According to the probe, the missile system that was used to shoot down the plane was brought in from Russia at the request of Russian-backed rebels. 
Russia's foreign minister calls the probe politically motivated. All 298 people on board that plane died. And the NYPD is questioning a man in connection with that home explosion in the Bronx that killed a fire battalion chief yesterday. Michael Fahey, a 17-year veteran and father of three, was killed by falling debris while directing operations from the street. Authorities are looking into whether that building was being used to grow marijuana. Global News 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Ramey Innocencio. This is Bloomberg. Charlie. And we thank you. And again, recapping, we are seeing stock surge. S&P 500 index up eight now. That's a gain of four-tenths of one percent, overcoming earlier losses. Uh, the Dow up 84 points, a gain there of five-tenths of one percent. And again, have to mention now that crude oil closing in on six percent for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate, up 5.8 percent now, gaining 257 to 47.23. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock, the Fed in Focus on Bloomberg Radio. The Fed in Focus broadcasting live from Bloomberg Market's most influential summit at our global headquarters here in New York. We're speaking with Richard Clarida. He is the global strategic advisor at PIMCO. Rich Clarida, um, do you believe that the world is experiencing a bout of deflation? Well, the world's not in deflation. Obviously, Japan, until recently, has been in deflation. And I think that certainly seven or eight years ago in the depths of the crisis, that was a legitimate and real concern. And I think for all the criticism that some have offered, we can't lose sight of the fact that through through bold and unconventional policy, we did avoid deflation in, in the worst recession in 75 years. So I think I think outside of Japan, and even there, Japan has emerged at least using some measures from deflation. I think uh, I think that we've avoided that. Knock on wood. Well, no deflation, but negative interest rates, and of course, to a certain extent, central banks like the Bank of Japan and the European Central Bank have been chasing their tails. Because the more they push towards negative rates and the more bonds they buy, the more they push bond yields down and even into negative territory. BOJ is trying to reverse that now. Does this is this policy going to work? What's important about it to you? Well, that, that's an excellent point because you know we're we're conditioned to think of the Fed meeting as being the most important. But actually, I'd argue that the Bank of Japan meeting last week was was more important, at least in terms of what they're trying to do. Essentially, Kathleen and Pim, what they said is that their existing framework, their basically their negative rating QE framework, um, is reaching some limits. Um, and so they've pivoted to a framework where they're going to essentially say they want to put a cap on bond yields on the, at the 10-year point. They're going to be buying less securities with longer duration. They're going to try to steepen uh, the yield curve, and potentially, and I think this is important, potentially down the road, this could be relevant if the Abe administration decides to put in place a big fiscal expansion, because as long as they are pegging the putting a ceiling on the yield on 10-year bonds, you're in effect going to be getting money financing of those deficits. And then finally, the last thing they said they would do is they want to anchor inflation expectations. They want to increase inflation expectations. And to do that, they're actually aiming to overshoot their 2% inflation target. Now, I know the skeptic will say, well, they haven't even hit 2% inflation yet. And I do take the point. But I think that down the road, we may see other central banks pivot away from 
an inflation target towards more of a price level objective. So this could be a uh, sort of a dry run on that. Rich Clarida, uh, I don't know whether you just heard, but uh, oil prices are up by a little bit more than 6% today. The report from a delegate briefed on the matter says that Saudi Arabia and Iran, uh, they have reached an agreement to cut oil production down to 32.5 million barrels a day. That's nearly 750,000 barrels a day lower from what it pumped uh, in August. Uh, do you think, first of all, that this kind of agreement will remain in place, given that I think the Saudis just cut their uh, many government uh, positions uh, salary by 20 percent? Will it stay yeah. in place? And what are the implications then for uh, dollar and, and interest rates when you start looking yeah, at oil? Yeah, great, great point. You know, this has been this has been people have been speculating on this for uh, a while, um, and this was a, this was a, not the typically regularly scheduled OPEC meeting. This is a special meeting. You know, I've been looking at, at, at the e- internal email traffic on this, and I think it's I think it's too soon uh, uh, to tell. But but potentially, uh, you know, we've been calling for some time for oil prices to to firm, and and this would be contributing to that, and would move prices. You know, back up around fifty dollars, uh, uh, um, and, uh, and so I think the, the short answer is right now, based upon the report, it is too soon to tell. But but there does seem to be a sentiment uh, in, that that uh, OPEC is is recognizing to tar- try to achieve some stability in oil prices, uh, and they may feel now that they can actually enforce this. Of course, if, as you both know, that in the past the trouble with OPEC is that there are huge incentives to cheat uh, in oil cartels as in life. Uh, so whether or not it holds is another uh, issue. But I do think that there does seem to be some movement to trying to put in place uh, some uh, production. Interesting, uh, too, Rich, that uh, wouldn't higher oil prices be viewed favorably by folks at the Bank of Japan, at the Fed? They're trying to boost inflation. Those falling oil prices last year totally made it hard for the BOJ to do that. Yeah. I completely agree. And I, and I think, Kathleen, a lot of folks forget that and it's easy to criticize the Bank of Japan, but the fact is is that they got hit with two uh, shocks that had nothing to do with Japan. One, the collapse in oil prices, and two, obviously, the, the, the sort of flight to safety bid for the yen and the dollar after the China devaluation last year. Uh, and it's tougher for them to keep inflation expectations anchored when there are these big moves in headline inflation that are out of their uh, uh, control. So, so, so yes, I, I do see the, the point. And also, we know Kathleen in the U.S., that inflation expectations are historically quite sensitive to gasoline and oil prices okay. uh, as well. Rich Clarida, thank you so very much for joining us here at Bloomberg Markets Most Influential, the summit at our world headquarters today. Rich is global strategic advisor at PIMCO and a professor at Columbia University. Some big news on the Bloomberg. The California State Treasurer is sanctioning Wells Fargo. We'll have more details on that coming up in our next Bloomberg Business Report. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. And this is Bloomberg. The Fed in Focus is brought to you by Willoughby's since 1898. New York City's boutique camera store for precision-crafted Hasselblad and Leica cameras, plus a full selection of GoPro action adventure cameras. Willoughby's, corner of 5th Avenue and 31st Street.